Welcome to the D Free in the Black podcast. My name is DeForest Soares Jr., but my friends call me Buster, and my enemies do too. My co-host is Tamika Stembridge, brilliant attorney and all things genius. There is no greater cause than the cause that invites black people to financial freedom. We want our people to be in the black. Hello, folks. Welcome to the D3 podcast. We call this In the Black because we want people to have more ownership than debt. We want you to have more assets and liabilities. And In the Black is not just for Black people, but we are Black and we're focused on the Black community. And our guests are always exemplary personalities for achieving financial freedom. Entrepreneurs, leaders, activists, young people, senior citizens, and the like. And today, Tamika, we have one of the most special people in my life, someone that I met about 11 or 12 years ago, and I was impressed upon meeting him. And I visited with him in his former location, Vallejo, California. And every time I went, I was more and more impressed. And so um, I don't know if you've met him yet, but if you have, I'll introduce him again. If you haven't, this is my successor. He's the fourth pastor of the First Baptist Church of Lincoln Gardens, where you grew up sleeping on your grandmama's lap, uh, the Reverend Dr. Dante R. Quick. Yes, welcome, Pastor Quick. I actually got a chance to visit Vallejo the one time we hosted our conference there. Right. Oh, you did. That's right. He was a young man then. (laughs) (laughs) He's aged about 10 years in the last seven months. Yes, absolutely. But Reverend, thank thank you for uh, participating today. As you are leading First Baptist in an exemplary way, I told you before, everything I had in mind for you as my successor, the goals I had, the dreams I had of how the church would do when I left, you have have met and exceeded all of my vision, all of my goals in just a short period of time. So how is it for you? Do you feel like you're making progress? Do you feel like you're at home yet? Yeah, we've, we've, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, I think the thing that First Baptist has demonstrated, if nothing else, is a model for transition for African American congregations. And I couldn't have been welcomed better. I couldn't have had a better landing place. A foundation couldn't have been laid better. And, uh, you know, when people ask me what it's like to come behind, um, someone like Dr. Soares, I I tell them that um, I couldn't have written this script better if it was a movie. The the only thing I can't get him to do is preach for me more. But (laughs) but other than that, um, we have had a model time and and I'm so grateful to you for for the example you've set for not just me, but for a generation of pastors who've come after you. Excellent. Well, that's kind of you to say, Tamika, how does it feel to be the you know, it's young probably person that grew up under me and now the old person that's still with, with Dr. Quick? You know, I echo Dr. Quick's sentiments. It's been a very smooth transition. I don't know if it's because you guys knew each other and had a relationship before 
um, Pastor Quick came to First Baptist, but it's been really smooth. Um, a lot of times when churches transition, it almost feels like an outsider coming in, but this is more like a, a family kind of passing the baton. And I think even though your styles are different, of course, leadership is always, you know, different. I think people were well prepared for the transition and really felt um, kind of ready for, for the next step. I think you had extended your time, COVID extended it. And so people had a lot of time to mentally and spiritually prepare for the transition. And so I think it's been, you know, hopefully you feel welcomed. Hopefully people have received you with, with open arms, but it's been great. It's been really good. So no, they have, and, and I would say just one thing, part of what I've done from a leadership standpoint is to say we are rooted in tradition, but we grow in innovation. Mm -hmm. um, and we are an intentional intergenerational community of faith. And I think holding on to some tradition and growing it with innovative ideas has been a part of, of what's made transition work for us. Right. I don't want to make this an FBC session, but I will say this, this is actually, and this is why, and then we can talk about, because even D-Free is an expansion of that. Like, I remember when Dr. Sori's first came to First Baptist, and it went from a very traditional Baptist church into innovation almost instantly, and you could feel the difference when people were energized, but it was a, it was a stark contrast from what we had kind of been living through, um, you know, and experiencing in church, and so I think the church, a lot of our members have been there, you know, generationally. And so they've been able to live through it as well. And so, you know, being prepared for innovation was kind of, again, it's a part of that groundwork. And so we're moving forward. And so we're going to innovate even more with D-Free. And so I'm excited. I'm excited. So Reverend, when, when we met, we, we really locked in around our financial ministry that we call D-Free. And I know that in 2022, You've had a theme every single month for pressing, pressing. Uh, I came uh, in April and the theme was pressing your crew. And mm -hmm. you were focusing on relationships, friendships and the like. Now coming into July, your theme is pressing stewardship. Talk about what that means. Well, it, it means, and we've been intentional about using the word stewardship because the first command we were given in Genesis was to be good stewards. And from there, this, this sort of concern about how we've been stewarding ourselves, how, how were we stewarding ourselves through the wilderness and all these other places. Jesus, of course, comes along and says, the temple isn't being stewarded properly. And so for all month long, we're going to look at how we are being good stewards of our finances, of lifestyles that impact or are impacted by our finances. And then how does that lead to us being good stewards of the place we say is important to us, which is First Baptist? And we'll be talking about collective economics. Of course, D-Free is going to be the heart of that. And it's going to be, uh, for the first time, sort of a reintroduction to D-Free post your pastorate. Um, and my, my intention, uh, going back to being rooted in tradition, is to say to First Baptist, we can't be the founding home of D-Free and not be the most exemplary example of it. And so we're recommitting ourselves in every aspect. And I'll be bringing a few things that are coming with me from the West Coast mm -hmm. to introduce them to here. 
Well, Tamika, I think you remember we started the Deep Free Church of the Year Award because mm -hmm. of the innovation that Pastor Quick and his church in California had brought to the model and the strategy. Now, you know, when I was a child, I, I grew up reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible, and with great regularity in our church, that verse from Haggai, you know, people quote Malachi about tithing, but in Haggai, the challenge of the people was so severe that it really motivated us to do this defree where Haggai says that God said that you people are earning money, but you put it into a bag with holes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that to me, that's where the whole spending league concept came from, straight from putting money into a bag with holes. And uh, you've been teaching D3 ever since you taught it at, at First Baptist and you've taught it around the country and online. What have you learned about D3 that you think will help Pastor Quick re-energize D3 at First Baptist? I think um, the reminder that people have that D3 is a lifestyle. And I think a lot of people are familiar with DeFree as a ministry. They're familiar with the book and the workbook, especially at First Baptist, because they are the home church. But we, what we've seen in the past is that people will go through DeFree, but if DeFree doesn't go through them, they end up back in some of the same positions that they were in prior to. And so I think this is a good opportunity to kind of re-examine where we are and really readopt DeFree as a lifestyle long term. And so, um, you know, it's not just a ministry, it's not just the 12 steps, but it's every day con being conscious about what your life is doing and how that's showing up in your money and really being reminded that wherever you are on the financial spectrum, there's always either more to be done or something that can be addressed. And so for people that say, oh, I did D-Free when Dr. Soares was here. Well, you know, has your life elevated? Have things changed? Is it time for you to do something different? And really using this as an opportunity to, you know, move people along the defree continuum, for lack of a better word. So, Pastor Quick, I want to kind of kind of peep your whole card for a moment. One of the most significant things that impressed me about defree in California was something you did called declutter, and I'm hoping you'll bring that to First Baptist. Describe what declutter meant for you. Well, absolutely, and Tamika sort of spoke to it a little bit. This lifestyle thing, and you can tell when people are having lifestyle difficulties because their environment reflects it. Mm -hmm. uh, they're collecting things and those things may be emotional in attachment, but useless in functionality. And so part of what we're going to do in July is challenge people to say, if you can tell a tree, tree by its fruit, as the scripture says, is your fruit fresh or is it spoiled? And if you have some fruit in your house that's past its expiration date, it's time to decolor. And so the model looks like this. We take the parking lot, we square off booths, we invite everybody to come and bring items from your household that you have not touched in one year. And whether it's a golf shirt or whether it's golf clubs, whatever it is, we'll set you up with a booth and we'll sell it. And all we're asking you to do is not pay a booth fee, but to take 10% of what you got rid of and give it back to the church in that moment. And part of declutter is a spiritual exercise. And so I'll preach around it um, and, and I'll, I'll preach around the, the loads that we bring that God is asking us to release. Mm -hmm. 
And the other, the second part of declutter is the cost of maintenance. It costs us to keep things that we don't use anymore. Mm -hmm. And not only does it cost us emotionally and spiritually, but how many of us are, are paying for storage sheds? Right. How many of us have spaces that we could be running a business out of in our garage that is holding golf clubs and, and boats we haven't sailed and clothes we haven't worn in 10 years? Declutter is a spiritual, emotional exercise that is connected to our need to be good stewards and to give back because someone else may be able to use what you are no longer using. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. I tried to steal the idea from you, uh, but I didn't do it as well as you did. And so now they'll get the original declutter pastor. You know, to make one of our challenges is getting the attention of pastors, particularly younger pastors, because mm -hmm. the image of success in ministry has changed from the time I started. And quick, what I want to know is how, how would you suggest going about getting the attention of younger pastors and helping them understand the theology of stewardship the way you do? Well, it's really a liberation model, right? And when we see the early church in Acts, one of the first devolutions of the early church were a man and a woman who tried to sell some property and keep the profits, but they lost their lives. Right. And, and not only were they cheating God, but they were going against a liberation agenda. Right. Because the agenda was to build the bigger community. And stewardship is not only about me, and I've explained this uh, as a person who's had some privilege. I can send both my kids to private schools, give them the most expensive education. But if I don't take care of that kid who doesn't have the same options, that kid will kill my kid. And so I have to invest in that kid to keep everybody on the same page. And that's what stewardship is to me. It's a liberation agenda. It's also an agenda that says, people don't wanna to come to a church unless you're relevant. So what I tell the staff here is, I'm interested in relationship that's grounded in relevant religion. If people can come to First Baptist as they've always been able to come, and their lives can be visibly more prosperous when they walk away. Mm -hmm. They will also tell their, their friends. So stewardship is the foundation of evangelism. You wanna grow a church, you gotta grow it through stewardship. Mm -hmm. And I think young men and women in ministry are all about the numbers, the, the likes on Facebook, the behinds and pews, this and that and the other. Well, you can't fill a 2000 seat sanctuary unless people think you're impacting their lives. You've done it, you built it and done it. It's my job to maintain it and grow it. And I think that can only be done through stewardship that allows people to see prosperity in their lives, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and financially. No, you're spot on. I would also say you get to bring, even though like we just talked about, you're from the East Coast, you get to bring a little bit of that West Coast sunshine and, and that people have not necessarily seen, you know, Dr. Soares, you would always talk about um, where the church is situated in that community and what they experience being between such wealthy environments and then being one of the poorest in the county. Um, I think it is a great opportunity for us to, you know, work it from the inside 
out and really get people reconnected back to that. Cause you know, Pastor Quick, exactly what you said, you know, similar to where you're positioned, a lot of our church families, their children are, are privileged now because their parents have done better than most. Um, but it really is all of our responsibility to be a part of what has to happen in that community because none of us are safe if any of us are suffering. And so, you know, it does extend so much far be further beyond just our individual finances or even the capacity of the church. And so I think this, it's a fresh approach to D-Free, but it's just, a, it's a continuation of the work. And I think that's why it's going to be successful. Um, I just, I can't wait. I can't wait to get started. Well, you know, it's interesting. If I could just share one, one interesting story about this. I've met with four families yesterday. We're going to do our first baby blessings since COVID. And they were all amazing, young, talented people that I had never met before, psychologists and engineers. And I, I pointed out to each one of them, you are setting your child up for failure if you don't have a difficult conversation with them. Um, they were all boys. And when I learned when my son got to be 14 on the basketball team, is he started to get a little bullied from some of the other kids. And we couldn't figure out why until we realized they were mad at him because he had a dad at every practice or because his dad was here or this and that and the other. And it didn't dawn on me whenever I'd come pick him up, the kids would run to me. Mm -hmm. um, and he had to reckon with the fact, dad, they're mad because you're around. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a sense of responsibility that I not only had to be a good steward for him, but I had to give some of my time to these other boys. And since I've been here, the one thing when people walk up to me in this community, they say, you took Dr. Sori's place. I'm a lawyer because of Dr. Sori's, or I graduated from high school, or he picked up the phone and got me into college, or I am still alive because of something he did for me. It shows to me that D-Free as a lifestyle begins by the responsibility of those of us who have been given more to reach back and lift up someone else. So part of what we're going to ask of, you pointed out, part of our middle-class community is how are you mimicking the third pastor? Who's gonna look back and say, because of this person, I went to law school or because of this, and that's creating generational wealth. I was young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed beg for bread. And I'm committed that First Baptist should never have seeds that are begging for bread. Right. You, you've made a special emphasis on mental health. It, it's always been um, a challenge for, for black people. I gave a speech not long ago talking about Du Bois double consciousness and how we, we've had to carry this burden of being black and American, all the way black, not quite American. Uh, COVID has exacerbated all of our mental health challenges. And there's a direct correlation between mental health and financial capacity. What, what is your vision as it relates to linking mental health resources to the people that you're also challenging to be good stewards? Well, that's an, an excellent question. I, I call it a black tax, uh, that being black taxes us in every way, uh, emotionally and financially. 
we get paid less to do the same jobs, but we spend more to look successful. And so we have brought a ministry together that is made up of our licensed clinical, clinical social workers. Right now, I think we're up to five psychologists and psychiatrists. That ministry is coming together and we are transforming our entire ministry into a trauma-informed congregation. And hopefully next year we'll roll out a whole trauma-informed agenda. Um, that agenda will help us understand um, that we eat poorly because we're trying to satiate emotional deficits. We spin poorly because of low self-esteem. We drink and have addictions because we're trying to silence the voices in our heads. And it's interesting, um, the country star Judd, it was revealed today, committed suicide right. uh, just one day before she was to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All the great resources that she had, imagine black and brown communities who don't have an eighth of those resources. Right. So we plan on bringing that ministry together, looking at support groups and, and having what we call curative conversations. There are small support groups in, in numbers of eight to 12, confidential, where they'll come together. It may be a single parent support group. It may be a recovery support group. We plan to have several of those. I have retitled our associate pastor for pastoral care. We have changed the title to the associate pastor for wellness and care. Okay. Because their job will be to help organize exercise classes, eating courses, all the things we've had, but we're putting it on steroids. And from DeFree's perspective, how does our emotional and psychological deficits impact our spending, which is already a part of the D-free framework, but just emphasizing it so that we're more conscious about it. Yeah, Tamika, you always remind people that the first level of D-free has nothing to do with money, but more to do with the drivers mm -hmm. of how, how we spend money. Listen, Dr. Quick, Pastor Quick, I wanna thank you, first of all, for your friendship, you were kind enough to bring me to California and get me out of New Jersey uh, three or four times. Mm -hmm. You were exemplary in taking the message of D3 early on uh, into Northern California and introducing it to a number of communities outside of Vallejo. You were kind enough to consider First Baptist as your new home. And now you're embracing D3 formally as the host pastor of our conference that will happen in, in uh, July. So I can I have a lot of things to thank you for and thank God for you for. And Tamika, uh, I want you to be as kind to this pastor as you were to your old pastor. I'm here. I'm here to support. I'm excited to restart. Um, I actually ran into the head, the former, I don't know who's the head of the D3 ministry there now, but they're even energized to get started. And so July is going to be big. We're coming back home and it's going to be an exciting time for us together. Excellent. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. This has been In the Black Podcast featuring Dr. Soris, my co-host, and Reverend Pastor Dante Quick, the new senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Lincoln Gardens, where we will host our Financial Freedom Conference for July 2022. Thank you for listening to this episode of the D-Free In the Black Podcast the pulse of mental, spiritual, and financial health. Be sure to share, like, and subscribe on whichever streaming platforms you get your podcast.